Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to start off like we do every week here at Oceans Church. We're going to open up the Bible to John chapter 16. We've been in a series, a never-ending series, called The Gift. And uh, probably the most significant series we've done in our 44 weeks of, of teachings We've been talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. To summarize, we believe the greatest gift to humanity was Jesus, but the greatest gift Jesus gave us was the Holy Spirit. And so today, if you're new to our community, you're like, Mark, what the heck is this all about? I want to teach you today about the unknown part of the Godhead. I want to teach you that he is the greatest advantage you can live your life with. And last week, we talked about the the, the gift of power. Today, I want to talk to you about the gift of advantage. The gift of advantage. That's grammatically incorrect, just go with me. Come on. The gift of advantage. And if you're taking notes, you want a fun title. If I was a youth pastor still, I would name this talk, Avoid the Stairs. Avoid the Stairs. And if you got your Bible, John chapter 16, I'm going to read 10 verses. If you're new to our church, I'm going to pray after that. I'll tell a couple stories. If you laugh, we'll call them jokes. Deal? If you don't laugh, they're just stories. And after we do that, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie in what we read, these 10 verses, to what we're talking about this morning. And I do believe that God has a desire for everyone in this room, not just to live your life and exist, but I believe that God actually loves you so much that he wants you to live your life here on earth with a divine edge, with a divine advantage. And I believe many people live way below the water table of what Jesus died to offer them. I always use the analogy, if Bill Gates was your dad... And uh, you found out that maybe you were separated at birth from your father, and your dad was the richest guy in the world. How many know that, and he's not anymore, I guess, but, but he used to be. <laughs> Jeff um, was your dad. If, if, if you knew that someone pr- profoundly wealthy was your father, but you were separated at birth, and you never knew that you had a dad that was wealthy, and you got into maybe drugs and some bad addictions, and you end up living your life on the streets of San Francisco homeless, How many know it's a bit of a tragedy to be related to someone that has the means to get you out of where you are? And I believe that many people live like this. They have no idea that not only is God their father, not only is God good, but he has the resources to get you off the streets of your past. And so today, I want to boldly, if it's okay, uh, maybe give you some uh, thoughts this morning. John 16, if you're ready to go, say, I'm ready. I said this last week, we are a, a verbal church that throws some people off. Uh, But I just want you to know, uh, sporting events, athletes go to a higher level when the crowd gets behind them. Can we agree on that? I said it last week, we call it home field. Sounds like the message today. Advantage. Advantage is when a room gets behind somebody or something. And so in our church, we hear something, we say amen. Uh, Predominantly because we believe that pastors have more confidence when people say amen. (laughs) Kind of helps with our insecurity issues. But uh, no, we're going to have a good time this morning. If you got your Bible, Acts chapter 16, let's read here. Verse 5, it says, uh, Jesus is talking here, red writing. Um, When I was younger and not a Christian, I thought, man, the the printer must have been broken when they printed the scriptures. Some's black, some red. We'll keep going. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, uh, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, this is a pretty scandalous scripture, by the way. Jesus says, it is actually, uh, it's to your advantage. The truth is, it's to your advantage that I leave and that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, say it with me, the helper. 
He will not come to you. But if I do depart, notice who sends the helper. He says, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will actually do a couple things. He'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you will see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. However, when he, when he, not it, not it, but when he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, has come, he, I love these first person pronouns, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He, what does he do? He will glorify me. Number one job description of the Holy Spirit is to make much of Jesus. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and he will declare it openly to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it freely to you. The helper, the advantage. Can I pray this morning? God, I just thank you for an opportunity to be in Orange County, my favorite church on all the earth. I thank you for Orange County and for Oceans Church. I thank you for what you're doing in this community. I'm just so grateful that you turned a crowd of strangers into a family of believers. I ask you this morning that you would meet us where we are, whether we're atheist or agnostic, maybe we're Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim. Maybe we believe in you, but we've been away from you for a while. I ask you to meet us where we are and lead us into where you want us to be. We pray you'd bless this morning in a profound way and that, God, you would continue to assist the Los Angeles Lakers to a championship this year. In Jesus' name, you believe it. Come on, say amen. It's okay for a pastor to dream, right? We don't have a rag today, so I got to fold the t-shirt. So uh, in case you're wondering, it's my Bishop T.D. Jake's rag right there. I've been able to preach in this church two times. In the potter's house, they always have towels on the pulpit. We don't have towels here. We have t-shirts. It's cotton, though. It's soft. I'm all about advantage. I love, I, love, I love it when you have an advantage. It's fun to have an advantage uh, in life. Uh, I always thought it was kind of a disadvantage when you didn't have an advantage. Profound. Like I had a friend growing up that his dad was the Spanish speaker, or Spanish teacher, and he grew up in Mexico. I'm like, dude, how, how are you allowed to take Spanish? Like you have a profound advantage that I do not have. Had another friend growing up that his dad was the chemistry professor at our school, and he was exceptional in chemistry. I'm like, dude, it's not really fair that I'm going home learning another language and dialect and your dad's speaking it fluently at the dinner table every day. You have an advantage. In sports, they call it, uh, they call it performance enhancing drugs or advantage. And uh, we know that amongst athletics, that a little bit of an advantage leads to a large advantage because most human beings are limited at the same levels of limitations. And so I was thinking about advantages, and I got to admit to you, my favorite advantage in an airport is the advantage called the escalator. Where's my escalator fans at? I think single-handedly one of the greatest inventions given to humanity was the escalator. It's like an elevator that you're aware of what's happening. I love it because all you got to do is stand on the escalator, and all you have to do is have the gift of balance. You're just standing on that thing. It's taking you somewhere. I don't know if you've ever been on an escalator in the airport and you had some weirdo behind you trying to walk up this escalator. Who's ever met one of those strange human beings? It's like, what are you doing, dude? This thing's taking us there. 
Stop getting in a big hurry, a big rush. It's like, are you really that pressed for time that you got to walk up the staircase that's already moving? Settle down. Then you may, there's really strange people that, that the escalator and the staircase are literally right next to each other. And you ever seen the guy that the, the, the escalator's open, but intentionally, meaningfully, just like desires to walk up the stairs. I have a burden for these people. I thought, my God, their parents never told them this is free. This is a free ride. You don't have to take the organized, come on, the organized hill called the stairs. You can take the escalator to the top. It's free. You're not sweating, huffing, puffing. It's a free, easy lift. It's crazy to me when people take the stairs when there's an escalator. I don't know if there's anything worse than a staircase except an escalator that's broken. Can we agree on that? You ever see human beings that walk around a corner to see an escalator that's not working? There's mass panic. You walk around the corner like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How will I ascend the hill of the Lord? This panic and fear comes into you. How do you climb an escalator that's not working? The only thing worse than stairs is an escalator that's broken. And I was just thinking about this, that escalators take you to the same place that stairs do, but it's a much easier ascend. I started thinking about the Holy Spirit, and many people, they don't realize it, they live their lives on earth the same way that we do, but they live without the Holy Spirit, and literally, what we're getting to easily, they're working for intensely. It's almost like religion brags about, like the guy taking the stairs, look how hard I'm working to get up the stairs. Look how disciplined I am to read my Bible and fast and seek the Lord and pray, and I'm earnest, and I'm steadfast, and I'm diligent, and I'm whatever other word that sounds a little bit serious. We brag about this idea that, man, I'm, I'm, I'm earning my way up to God. That's what religion does. It's braggadocious about how hard it works to please God. But I see the Holy Spirit, and I love the fact that it's a free ride. It sounds a little bit like the Holy Spirit to me, that he's a free gift. That we don't earn his favor, deserve his favor. I didn't buy the escalator. I didn't earn the escalator. I certainly didn't create it, invent it, or even engineer that thing. But I have the privilege of taking it up. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. I feel like many people, they go, Mark, I want to live my life. Look, I love God the Father. I'm into the Lord Jesus. I even love the Holy Scriptures. But the Holy Spirit, man, that kind of freaks me out. It's kind of a little bit, I don't know. I've seen some weird stuff. I saw the guy on TV saying if you dial 1-800-MIRACLE-NOW. I saw the guy that said if I donated $1,000 to his jet. I saw this Holy Spirit preacher, prosperity, wealth, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I saw some sort of counterfeit thing that claimed the escalator or the Holy Spirit will take you up higher. But my experience with that thing is it was broken. I want you to know many people are scared of the Holy Spirit, the free ride called the escalator, because they've encountered some counterfeit escalator that was broken. And I want you to know today that I believe that the Holy Spirit came, on, came onto the scene, sent by Jesus himself, Jesus says a very scandalous, outlandish idea. He says, look, I know that you've been spending three and a half years with me. I know you're the original youth group. Jesus was the original youth pastor. He selected 12 high school, college, and junior high young men. Scholars speculate that John the Beloved was 12 to 15 years old when Jesus said, follow me. They say that Peter was 18 to 23 years old when Jesus said, follow me. And it's interesting that he's the original youth pastor, and even he had a demon in his youth group. Come on, all these pastors said amen. 
had a few of those. But it's amazing to me that literally he goes, look, guys, you've walked with me for three and a half years. You've done some amazing things. I gave you authority to heal the sick. I gave you authority to preach in villages. But here's the deal. It's to your advantage that I physically leave you. You ever thought about that? He knew that if he didn't leave the earth, that we'd all be limited to a round-trip airfare to Tel Aviv where we'd go to a stadium that would be constructed that would seat maybe two or 300,000 people and we would watch Jesus on a jumbotron LED screen. If he was physically on the earth, if he would have stayed the last 2,000 years, the closest you would have got to God is your ability to watch that screen. But he says, look, if I leave, guys, I will not only be something that you can physically see, but I'll actually be with you every moment, every day, wherever you are. Come on, better than American Express. Everywhere you want to be. Hashtag. I love this idea that before the Holy Spirit came, I want to just settle, settle some things. Before the Holy Spirit came, Christianity was still pretty awesome. I would, I would prove it to you by saying in Luke chapter 9, verse 6, it said that Jesus gave Christians, followers of Jesus, authority to heal sick people. They went into all these villages preaching to everyone the gospel. So I would suggest to you that you could actually live life without the Holy Spirit, still see some awesome miracles, still live a really good life, still go to heaven. Come on, we're all going to the same place. I just want you to know that my conviction as a pastor is that why would I take the stairs when there is more? There's something called the escalator. I love this idea because it says that before the resurrection, before the day of Pentecost, the disciples did some miracles. The, the disciples, they preached the gospel. But there were seven advantages that happened after the Holy Spirit came that were non-existent before, before the Holy Spirit came onto the scene. Can I share them with you today? I believe whether you're a businessman or a businesswoman, you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, or you're a school teacher, a professor, or a pastor, that there's an advantage that God wants to give you. The first advantage we see that the disciples experience after the resurrection and after the day of Pentecost is that the advantage of, number one, awareness. I believe there's an awareness that comes upon you and upon me when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Again, we're all going to heaven, but I'm telling you that when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it makes you way more sensitive, uh, uh, conscious of the brilliant presence of God. It says in Acts chapter 5, I believe it is, it says, or chapter 15, that they were praying one day and they said, it seemed good to us and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit to do X, Y, and Z. You see, I believe that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, there is this awareness of, to God that you didn't have prior to that encounter with the Holy Spirit. Many people live kind of like, look, I'm aware of God when I get audited. I'm aware of God when I get a negative diagnosis from a doctor. I'm aware of God when my spouse wants to file for a divorce. I'm aware of God when my kid gets in a car accident. I'm only aware of God when things are in trouble. But I believe that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you become aware of God, not just in the valleys, but also on the mountains. The disciples went from being aware of, of, of God uh, in a general sense to, to literally living life. Everywhere they went, there was a perpetual awareness of his divine presence. They became so aware of this otherworldly uh, environment that they weren't, they weren't just focused on the here and now. They seemed to always have the gaze of heaven in mind. Kind of reminds me of C.S. Lewis. He says that if you aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. But if you aim at earth, you miss both. Many people, they live their life just for the here and now, what they can see, taste, sense, feel, smell, touch, whatever. The temporary. 
But these early disciples, they were so aware of God that they weren't just living in the current physical circumstances, but they were otherworldly-minded. So there's an awareness advantage that came upon the early disciples. Number two, there was an advantage of joy. There was a joy advantage. It's almost like the Gospels were written in the minor key, and the moment the Holy Spirit came on the scene, the, the entire sound began to change to major keys. It was like this, like, man... It's very hard. We're learning. We're growing. We're getting corrected. We're getting rebuked. We're, we're, we're being discipled by Jesus. But when the, when the Holy Spirit came, it's like they received this joy. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, that they were persecuted one day, and it says they left, and they rejoiced that they were worthy to, be, to suffer for the namesake of Jesus. The epistles are full of stories of, of times that they said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. James chapter 1 says, count it all the joy when you fall into various trials. That's the last thing I want to do, James. So why were they so consumed that joy was evidence in every season of life? Because when the Holy Spirit shows up, happiness is based upon happenings, but joy is from the Holy Spirit. I believe that we lose joy, and I'll just be, I'll be really honest, I don't think when you're discouraged you have a lack of joy issues, I think you have a lack of the Holy Spirit. I believe that the more of the Spirit of God you get inside of you, the more joy begins to emanate through you. You don't have a joy deficiency, you have a Holy Spirit deficiency. And one of, the, so one of the reasons some of you like coming to our church, like I don't know why, but a lot of churches, but for some reason when they sing here and like the messages and stuff, I just feel like there's a kind of like this like happiness that comes over me when I'm in this atmosphere. I want you to know, it's not our clever songs, our clever messages. It's that we invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit sh shows up and he gives joy to the entire atmosphere. If you believe it, come on, say amen. It says not only did they do this, but they, they, the, the, the third advantage that the Holy Spirit gave them that he wants to give you and me is he wants to give you the advantage of power. I did a whole message on this last week, so I won't belabor this. But what we know is, is that before Jesus was resurrected and before the Holy Spirit came, these guys preached, but we never saw fruit like we saw after the resurrection. For instance, they were cowards in an upper room after the crucifixion, but when the Holy Spirit filled them in Acts chapter 2, immediately, the guy named Reed, uh, Simon, he was a reed, in the, in the literally to and fro, blown here and there, turns into the rock that Jesus forecasted. And he stands up boldly in front of 3,000 people. And he goes, hey, guys, it's not Miller time. These guys aren't drunk. It's not the silver bullet. It's not happy hour. You, these guys aren't, they're actually filled. This is like what Joel said in Joel chapter 2, that when the Holy Spirit shows up, people are going to be in a prophesy. Your young men are going to dream dreams. Your old men are going to see visions. And on my maid service and my men's service, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. When the Holy Spirit showed up, you know what happened? Power came on the scene. How do you know that their words carried weight? Because it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says when they heard Peter's message, they were cut to the heart. The word cut is the Greek word for pierce. It's actually the exact same Greek word found in John chapter 19 when it says the soldier, when Jesus was on the cross, pierced the side of Jesus. So you can say it like this, that Peter's words with the Holy Spirit went deeper into the hearts of people than the spear went into the side of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why when you're like, Mark, I don't know what I'm saying, but I was sharing with a coworker this week. He asked about my faith, and all of a sudden I started talking to him, and things started coming out of my mouth that I've never studied. 
solutions started coming out of me that I've never thought of before. They thought I was so smart, I was the first one hearing it. <laughs> Who's ever been there before? It's like, oh my gosh, it's like you, you start stepping out for God and stuff starts coming out of you that you're like, I don't know where this is coming from, but it's amazing. It's like that every Sunday, come on. It's amazing, the Holy Spirit starts coming through you and your words start carrying power. You don't have to be a preacher to share God's word with power. Do you know that you're just sharing your story? Man, I went to church on Sunday. I had a bunch of scars down my arm from suicide attempts. And God in a service with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Look, at there's nothing there anymore. You share your story. Power accompanies the testimony of Jesus. And many people, they lack power. Not because you lack power. You don't have a power deficiency. You have a Holy Spirit deficiency. You see, wherever he shows up, there is power. I don't care how big your TV is. If there's no electricity, you'll never see what it can do. And many Christians, they have great potential, large dreams, large vision, large, large capabilities, but they never plug into the power source of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you power. Come on, say amen. And how do you know he gives you power? Because number four, there's another advantage that comes with power. It's called authority. Do you know that God wants to actually give you authority in your everyday life? Some of you are, are, you're just, all you're doing is watching Left Behind series, reading those books. You want to hide in a cave. You're waiting for the rapture. You're like, man, we got to survive. We got to just hide until Jesus comes back and rescues us and takes us to heaven and we can escape the big bad world. That is a deformed theology. God did not put you on the earth to escape the world. And if the only goal of Christianity was to go to heaven, we would have shot you the moment you raised your hand in church. How strong? <laughs> a little too strong, Mark. Settle down, okay? Let me back up a little bit. If the only purpose of, of Christianity was, okay, I believe, now I'm going to heaven. And that was it. Literally, what purpose do we have to keep living on the earth? Do you know why you're still sucking oxygen? Because there's actually a, a, something that you can do in your life that nobody else can do. There's authority that God wants to give you in your sphere of influence that nobody else can possess except you can. That's why it's, it's a waste of time to try to live your life trying to be a carbon copy of somebody else when you can be the original you and have authority for your sphere of influence. Come on, give God a good hand clap today. Many people, they're like, I don't know, man, I, I don't really have... I, I think that one of the differences between the, the, the pre-Holy Spirit and post-Holy Spirit is the Gospels, the disciples were always asking questions, and in the book of Acts, they were always giving solutions. Do you know what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? You stop living with so many questions, and you start living with being uh, more of God's answer. Are you following me today? If you're a preacher, I think that... Churches that lack the Holy Spirit, you know what they do is they, they surface a lot of questions and they leave them dangling for the church. But I believe that Holy Spirit-filled churches, they don't just submit questions, they bring solutions. Look, I'm going to tell you a problem, but I'm also going to show you the solution. You have a lack of power in your life. You're taking the stairs. You're trying to be more godly, trying to act more godly, talk more godly, think more godly, but you're trying to do it on the stairs. Avoid those stairs and come on, enjoy the Holy Spirit. He'll take you higher than you can take yourself. You'll think broader than you can think by yourself. He'll expand you in every, every dimension. Come on, he's greater than you'll ever be alone. And I love this idea that many people go, man, I, I don't really have any authority. God wants to give you authority with your kids. He wants you to have authority in your marriage. 
What do you mean authority? You're not a victim to your circumstances. My marriage stinks and I can't do anything about it. Man, my kids are, man, can't do anything about it. Man, my job, I just, just want to get paid and leave. It's just enduring. Life is way too short to be a victim. I just, I, I just, I, I can't do anything. God wants, the Bible I read says that he left us here to take dominion. So you can say it like this, the first three chapters were God's original intent, and after the fall of man, the rest of the Bible is dedicated. So 1186 chapters are dedicated to getting back to God's original intent. Adam and Eve, name the animals. You can't name anything that you don't have authority over. Another message. But you know why God told Adam and Eve to Adam, name the animals? Because everything you have the power to name, you have authority over. He tells them to rule and to reign, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. Come on. He says, you will be fruitful. You will multiply. You will subdue the earth. I want you to know we're not victims waiting for a rescue boat to get us off the earth. We're like a colonized colonies, my father-in-law talked about, of ambassadors of a heavenly kingdom. That our evidence of our lifestyle, our changed life is proof of a kingdom that's coming after this life. Our job is to go in and change the environment of our work. Our job is to go in and change the environment of our family. It says that in the Gospels, they ask questions, but in the book of Acts, they answered, they answered problems. God wants to raise up Ocean's Church, not to be a question asker, but to be a problem solver. There's enough churches, Christians, that are just asking questions. And it's drowning in the dialogue of white noise of why isn't this better? Why can't we do more of this? And why aren't we more like this? And why is the church broken here? Why do bad things happen to good people here? And why is this going on? Why is this going on? Can we stop asking ancient questions and start fixing modern day problems? God wants to give us authority. Come on, if you believe it, give him a hand clap real quick. Is the fifth advantage that they had is the, the advantage I call separation. Separation. Do you know that separation is an advantage? It says in Acts chapter uh, 13 that they separated Paul and Barnabas for the call of God that they had on their life. I want you to write this down. You will never impact anything that you're the same as. You'll never impact anything that you're the exact same as. And here's our prayer. God, help me change the world. But we want to change our world by being the exact same as it. You don't change what you're the same as. So if you want to make a difference, you have to be willing to be different. It's going to get quiet in the Presbyterian church just for a second. We want to make a difference, but we just don't want to stand out. Can I just, can I be a Christian? I'm going to keep it to myself, and I'm just going to like let my light shine really quietly, silently. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm shining so silently that none of my friends know I'm a Christian. I want you to know if no one knows you're a Christian, you're probably not. Strong preacher. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you the truth. If no one can tell I'm in love with my wife, I'm probably not. Follow me, I'm in love with my wife. I'd do anything for Rochelle. I love her more now than I loved her when I married her. I'm more passionate about Rochelle now than I was 13 years ago. Love has this, this sticky way of being vocal. You follow me. You can't watch a good movie and not tell anybody about it. And I'm telling you right now, we gospel and we, we preach way more movies than we do messages from church. We preach way more. I mean, we, 
we're so passionate about Netflix shows and, man, like this, this Vegas going here, doing this, this trip, this vacation. We propagate a lot of things that are temporary way more than eternal things. And I just like the Holy Spirit wants us to know today that, that one of the greatest gifts that he gives us when he fills us with his Holy Spirit is a, dot, a, a desire to be separated from the things that we used to be the same as. So many people go, I want to make a difference in this community. Well, you were in that community your whole life. It's called Egypt. And guess what, Moses? You can't change Egypt until you get out of Egypt for a little bit. So what I'm going to do, I know you spent 40 years in Egypt, so how about we take the same amount of time that you were in it to get you out of it? 40 years in it, 40 years out of it. How about 40 years of making a difference after that? I can talk to you about Paul, about 17 plus years of preparation before he came, became an apostle to the Gentiles. I could talk to you about Peter. I could talk to you about Stephen. I could talk to you about all these people like Barnabas, that they had seasons of God spending time with them, getting the Egypt out of them before they went back and made a difference in Egypt. But our generation were like, well, Mark, I got, look, I know I was an alcoholic and a drug user, and I want to go back to drug users and alcoholics. I'm telling you, many mistakes that we make early on in our faith is we go back prematurely into the places we want to make a difference before we let God make us different. God, make me different before I make a difference. The gift of separation is a gift. God, would you separate me from this crowd? Are you hearing me today? I want to make a difference. I just want to be the same as everybody else. You'll never impact what you're the same as. Number six. When the Holy Spirit came, there was an advantage called prayer. What do you mean prayer? Like praying when you're in trouble? No, I'm talking about like praying when you don't have to pray. Do you know when the Holy Spirit shows up? You actually start, you start desiring using the phrase, I want to, not I have to. When I first became a Christian, our church did prayer meetings all the time. I'm like, dear God, can we stop praying all the time? I was just not spiritually minded at all. My in-laws, they started the National Prayer Center. Have fun marrying to that family. <laughs> all they like to do is like, what are you doing Friday night? We're going to pray. Like, we're going to do something fun? Yeah, we're praying. It's going to be awesome. I'm like, okay, cool. I married into the family of prayer. All we did is pray. We went to D.C., prayed. Went prayer meetings at night. A youth pastor, I inherited this thing on Friday nights. We did it every summer. We do midnight prayer every Friday night in the summer. We pray from midnight to one in the morning every summer. Did it all the time. Like, like, like every Friday, I'm like, okay, we're going to like this. And eventually... When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I actually started enjoying prayer. It was no longer a chore. It was this awesome privilege. Some are like, Mark, if we had a prayer meeting on Wednesday night, guess who's not going to be there? But I'm telling you that when you experience the power of the Holy Spirit, how really is, it's like, man, I want to pray. It's like Acts chapter 2, it says that they were in one accord, one place, and they were praying. Do you know that Christianity started at a prayer meeting? Acts chapter 3, when the, when the lame man got healed, guess where Peter and John were walking? To a prayer meeting. Acts chapter 6, when they're like, we can't wait table any, anymore. We got, we got to give ourselves to prayer. We got to give ourselves to prayer. Acts chapter 16, it says that they were going to prayer at the hour of prayer when a demon-possessed girl got, got delivered. The miracle happened on the way to prayer. 
Acts chapter 12, it says that they were praying for this guy named Peter, who was an apostle, who was in prison, supposed to get executed, but it says that the church was in the, 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 the house of John Mark's mama. Come on, the church was meeting in a, in a, in a woman's house. Shocker. Spiritually-minded women. And they're praying in there. And what happens, it says that Peter knocks on the door because the prayers that were going up for his deliverance actually materialized. A little girl answers the door, goes, it's Peter, slams the door in his face, walks in, says, guys, God has heard our prayer. Peter's outside. And they said, you're delirious. God couldn't do that. Doesn't that sound a little bit like Christianity today? That God's already answered the prayers that we're asking for. And we don't even believe it when it shows up. God, do miracles. And the preacher gets up and says, a girl's arm was completely healed. And inside you're like, well, I've been praying for miracles, but God can't do that. It's crazy, right? But I believe that great preaching and great, great Christianity, it encourages people that when you receive the Holy Spirit, getting to talk to God is maybe the greatest birthright of every believer. You have the privilege to become friends with the God, the only entity in the universe that was self-created and self-sustained. One of the reasons I heard a brilliant guy say what makes God unlike any other force in the universe is he is the only one that, is, that has life within himself that's not coming from the outside. Everything else in the universe is sustained by an outside power. God is the only thing in the universe that's sustained by an internal power. You're here today and you're like, Mark, I don't have a desire to pray. Well, I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit fills you up, you'll start talking to God all the time. On the way to work, you'll share your laundry list with Him, your grocery list with Him. You'll share your prayer list with Him. You'll share your relationship list with Him. You'll share your parenting list with Him. One of my favorite things that Rashawn and I do together is we pray together. I tell you, I, this church was birthed out of our prayer times. I remember... I remember the early days of our marriage when we would lay in bed at night and we would dream about the future. And oftentimes, the, the size of our dreams were usually a reflection of the times we spent talking to God. What I've learned is the more you talk to Him, the larger you think. And the larger you speak. <laughs> usually small thinkers, small dreamers have small prayer lives. Because you can't get close to a big God and keep thinking small. Seventh thing that you, these apostles had advantages in is not only in prayer, there was an advantage to love the Word of God. I want you to write this down. In the Gospels, Jesus quoted the Scriptures. But in the book of Acts, the disciples quoted the Scriptures. It's amazing that they became like Jesus when they received the Spirit of Jesus. I said this before, but it's worth reiterating that if you want to play, if you want to understand basketball like LeBron James, you got to possess the Spirit of LeBron James. If you want to paint, like what was that guy that used to paint back in the day on a TV show? Bob Ross. Everyone knows Bob Ross. You want to paint like Bob Ross? You got to have the spirit of Bob Ross. You want to write lyrics like the Beatles? You want to make melodies and beats like a great beat melody maker? You got to have the spirit of that individual. And many of us, what we want is we want to have the algorithms of heaven, but we want to have the software of earth. You will not change, you will not be, you cannot operate like God without the Spirit of God within you. So you know what he'll do when he shows up in your life? He'll start giving you a wonder and a love for the Scriptures. I can't stress this enough. 
All of us have a Bible. There's no excuse not to have a Bible. It's free on every smartphone. It's crazy. But it's amazing to me that we all have Bibles, but we don't usually all read our Bibles very much. I'm not throwing rocks. But I would just suggest to you that one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit, one of the proofs that he's real, is that when he shows up in your life, you start loving Jesus and the things of Jesus beyond what you've ever loved. So you could say it like this, that the the true definition of a spirit-filled church is a church that values the things that Jesus valued. So if we're like, I love the Holy Spirit, I just don't love reading the Bible or praying. I would suggest to you that you don't really know the Holy Spirit. Because when you get to know Him, it's weird. It's like being at a restaurant, I mentioned this last week, that you start wanting to order everything that He's ordering. So if you're here and you're like, Mark, I don't like reading the Bible, I got no condemnation for you. I read one book through the first 12 years of school. 12 grades of school. (laughs) See, worse. I read The Outsiders was the only book I read through high school, cover to cover. I was not a reader, I was a watcher. You show me a movie, I'll watch it one time, I'll quote every line from the movie. But I don't like reading, I'm not a reader, man. But it's crazy because when I got saved, my youth pastor happens to be the biggest reader I've ever met. Chris Wilde reads too much. This guy reads like, he read literally when I met him, he read eight hours a day. Just said, Mark, if you wanna be a pastor, you gotta read eight to 10 hours a day, study. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a pastor. <laughs> Do something else. What else, Ma? What other options we got? He read eight to ten hours a day. I'll never forget at a camp he prayed for me. He said, Mark, come here. I want to pray for you. He laid his hands on me. He said, Mark, I believe that God is going to give you an appetite for the word of God. You're going to desire it more than movies or music. You're going to desire it more than podcasts or teachings. You're going to have a desire for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to put this appetite inside of you for the word of God. You're going to read the New Testament every week. And you're going to start reading through the Bible cover to cover every month. And I remember hearing that, I'm like, my God, he's missed it. (laughs) There's no way. But I could feel an impartation come upon me. And I'm telling you right now, it happened. I started reading the New Testament every week. Read the Bible through, I think, a couple times in one summer. And uh, the Holy Spirit restores wonder to the words of God. You don't have any wonder for the Bible? You know what you need? The Holy Spirit. I know it's hot in here today, but man, can I just challenge you that I want God to restore the wonder of the Holy Spirit, Holy Scriptures. Holy Spirit, reinvigorate my love for the Bible. I wrote this down years ago. I don't know if I can find it right now on the spot. But I figured out, I think it was like, if you read three and a half chapters a day, you can read through the Bible in, in a year. If you read seven chapters, right, a day, you can read through the Bible twice in a year. And you just kind of keep doing the math on that. So it's like I was doing 15 chapters, and I think you read it every three months, 15 chapters a day. I want to challenge our church that we will be a church that lives with an advantage because we're full of the Spirit, we value prayer, we value the Scriptures. Are you following me? And we live with joy, with power, with authority. Come on. And an awareness of God's presence. If you believe it, give me a hand clap today. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.